Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rennie Podcast. Today, we'll focus on the following two themes. The first relates mostly to our economy, including the latest on inflation, interest rates, and what impacts the unfolding banking crisis, if we can call it that, could have on these things. I'm Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and as always, we're joined with Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, Rennie's Senior Analyst with our Intel division. I'm also very excited to welcome Shelly Villani to our podcast. Shelly has started her real estate career with Rennie nine years ago and was our Rookie of the Year and has been a Rennie Leader recipient every year since. And as of this year, Shelly can also add Rennie President's Club to her list of her accolades. We're super excited to welcome you, Shelly. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Justine. Thanks for coming, Shelly. Mm. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. We've been trying to get you in this seat for a long time, Shelly. We <laughs> yes, finally got you in yeah. here today. That's right. During spring break. Spring break, yes, exactly. Does everybody have, I guess, really busy plans, juggling the kids and work? Not over here. No spring break. Uh, my kids are too young. They're still in daycare, mm. so no, no issues on my end. My kids are not doing anything. I think they're on 279 hours and counting straight of watching television. Um <laughs> That's what spring break's all about. I guess so, yeah. I'd like to see them go outside and play, actually, but yeah. How about you, Shelley? How, about, how are you uh, juggling real estate and um, having your daughter off school? Yeah, actually, last week, we were doing the whole sit-at-home TV thing while juggling. The phone calls coming in for real estate feel like it's picking up. Um, and, you know, just dropping off keys to clients' houses, doing home possessions. I'm, I've had to bring her in the car with me a few times. And she's like, oh, mom, why? I'm sure she love that. Yeah, why? We have to go from Burnaby to Surrey. Oh, my God, yeah. that's going to take, you know, she's calculating how long that's going to take and what she's going to be doing in the car. So I have like <laughs> word searches and coloring books and, you know, cell phone for 20 minutes just to keep her the Keep glamorous her busy. life of a realtor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. my, my son is the same way. He gets bored at the drop of a hat. Like as soon as he's finished eating lunch, he says, I'm bored. <laughs> There's no tolerance you know for my, my not doing something. Like that too. I'm like, well, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> The, exactly. the line I always hear is now, now what can I do? Yes. That's what my son <laughs> says. Now what can I do? It's like, what? I did not. This is not a question I asked of my parents 50 times a day when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Realtor slash entertainer. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's for sure. Okay. So Ryan, I know you want to share some thoughts on the new Canadian inflation data that was released yesterday and what might that mean for interest rates now and in the months ahead. But I want to ask you what's going on with the SVB and Credit Suisse and other banks. Is 2008 happening all over again? That's a good question. I did really just want to talk about inflation today, mm -hmm. but we have to talk about this emerging banking crisis and just sort of back up a little bit um, and I guess provide a Coles Notes version of where we're at today because really things have unfolded only in the last few weeks. Um, but in a nutshell, we've basically seen a classic bank run. Um, in the US over the past few weeks. So that's where depositors just rush in and they say, give me all my money back, right? And banks don't hold all the money you have in your bank account. The bank doesn't have that equivalent in cash. It only has some mm -hmm. fraction of it because they know that 
in normal times, people aren't going to all come at once and say, give me my money. So that is what's been happening at SVB or Silicon Valley Bank. It's also happened at Signature Bank and also a bank called First Republic. So in the States, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, we have the CDIC here. They essentially oversee banks and insure deposits up to a certain amount. And down in the States, the FDIC has taken over SVB and Signature. And with First Republic, there was this consortium of investors that pumped, I think it was $30 billion um, into that company to shore up its cash reserves and try to restore confidence uh, just in the banking sector in general. Um, it definitely has not seemed to have worked, especially in the case of First Republic. Its shares continue to decline and, and, and people continue to pull their money out. Um, the issue is when there's a loss of confidence in banking, uh, the crisis that accompanies that isn't usually constrained geographically. Um, and notably in the past week, what we saw in Europe was, I guess it was over the weekend, uh, Credit Suisse, one of the biggest uh, European banks, was taken over by UBS on concerns about uh, liquidity at Credit Suisse. So <clears throat> in some ways, the crisis is kind of, it's expanding. Um the question now is, does this emerging crisis uh, remain contained within these existing banks? Um, there isn't consensus on this right now. Um, it's really, really hard to extrapolate confidence in the market, right? It's very fickle, and, mm -hmm. it, and it can just move in one direction or move in the other. And what, what's so interesting about that is just reporting on what's happening. Just reporting the facts can make people nervous or even talking yeah. about the fact that confidence is important will undermine confidence. So it's a real interesting dynamic right now. We're kind of on shaky ground in that regard. Yeah, um, there's one thing, um, there's been a lot of reporting now about how many people in the US are taking their money out of medium-sized banks that are have had no signs of stress and putting them into big banks where they feel a little bit safer, where they have larger capital requirements. So even mm -hmm. though you're local mid-sized bank that you've banked with for years. Now, all of a sudden, a bunch of people are nervous about it. So they're pulling their money out and they're putting it into the, the biggest U.S. banks because they feel a bit safer there. Which kind of speaks to why uh, the, the general consensus here in Canada is that we are better prepared to weather a similar type of dynamic, mm -hmm. just as in 08, 09. You know, we, we, we did have challenges in our economy then, as in the U.S., but it was much more acute south of the border. Um, and I think I think here in this case, the, the here and now, um, the concern is that these illiquidity issues that these banks are having, that that these issues will spread, mm -hmm. and then the ultimate impact that will have is to squeeze credit markets. So basically, there'll be less lending, there'll be less risk taking, mm -hmm. um, and all of that. And so there's less money available to everyone, to individuals, to businesses, and so on and so forth. And if there's less business happening and there's less confidence and sort of everyone's hunkering down, it can also lead to a rise in unemployment. Um, I think it's really important to recognize, in some ways, we almost like, I think there's a tendency to look at what's happening within these banks, this whole dynamic that's that's unfolding and sort of go, oh, I can't believe this is happening and we have high interest rates. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a consequence of the high interest rates of the central banks around the world and specifically in the U.S., increasing uh, uh, so fast, an unprecedented rate and by an unprecedented magnitude over such a short period of time. Um, and 
now we are we are seeing the impact of that. This is the leading edge of that impact. And that's why I think some of us think that um, we might see more of this going forward because the full force of these rate hikes has not been is not embodied in our in our economy at this point. So one thing about this is that central banks now have to adjust um, their their past, especially the Fed, uh, as this is starting in the U.S. So if there's a lot less lending going on, if there's less credit out there, um, this in itself is either disinflationary, it'll reduce the amount of inflation, or possibly deflationary when prices down, depending on how uh, the magnitude of it. And so that's something that now has to factor in, especially again in the South down south with the with the fed's decision and we're actually recording as they're doing their announcement so they just announced a 25 basis point increase as of a few minutes ago jerome powell is such a hawk I, like <laughs> i i i think that that is really aggressive given the circumstances given all of the unknowns i'm yeah. i'm i'm not surprised they've done that in some ways because i know that he is a follower of paul volcker who mm-hmm. also was tasked with crushing inflation like 40 years ago. He literally, Powell, who's the chairman of the Federal Reserve, carries around a Volcker's book, uh, oh, like virtue, virtue signaling. But holy smokes. Yeah. So uh, a week and a half or a couple of weeks ago, the market consensus was they would raise 50 basis points. Um, and then all this bank turmoil started to bubble up. And I think most thought they wouldn't raise at all. And here we go. They're still doing one. But they have scaled back the size of that increase. Yeah, they were expecting 50 basis points. Well, the markets, I guess, were yeah. expecting a 50 basis point increase up until almost last week, Yeah, actually. So. so the Bank of Canada's next rate decision is on April 12th. So they were as interested as anyone in yesterday's inflation data release. So what does that tell us? Indeed. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all on tenterhooks waiting for the inflation data to be released each month. So it came out yesterday for Canada, 5.2%. Ryan Wise, you nailed it. <laughs> you guessed it. And it was generally, that was his day before prediction, and he hit it bang on. Generally speaking, we had expected a big drop off in inflation in February. It's February data. Um, and so we saw the rate fall from 5.9% in January to 5.2% in February. So still elevated, still too high, but coming down due to what they call base year effects because prices really, really increased last year at this time of year. Uh, part of it was the was energy prices were 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 spiking because of the war in, in Ukraine, and this year the inflationary pressures month to month have been much more modest. So that annual rate of inflation is coming down. It's generally in line with what the Bank of Canada was expecting, what we were expecting as well. So it it speaks to uh, a likelihood that the Bank of Canada, even though the Fed increased today by twenty five basis points, that the Bank of Canada holds the line. Um, come their April 12th meeting. Yeah, and we know, again, the, the comment about base year effects, uh, the next few months is the same sort of thing. Prices were ramping up so quickly through this part of last year that we actually expect uh, an even bigger decline in the headline inflation rate next month than we saw this month uh, and more in, in the coming months. Definitely, because interest rates uh, have already, as we talked about in the context of the banking crisis, interest rates have already been having a significant impact on economic activity. Um, and we've actually seen bond yields shift downwards recently. Um, the Canadian government's um, five-year yield uh, has shaved 50 basis points off uh, in the past two weeks alone, which is good news for fixed mortgage rates. Um which have also come down, and they're sort of they're tracking towards the low four percent 
neighborhood. So that is positive. I mean, it's not like the race mm-hmm. we had a couple of years ago, but definitely better than where they were to start this year. And I'll just make the comment too that, you know, when we talk about high interest rates and the impact on the economy and then how that's reflected in bond yields, especially in the context, again, of this banking crisis and all the uncertainty that exists, what happens is investors tend to, they, they don't like the risk, they don't like the uncertainty, and they go to where they can minimize that stuff. And where can you find that? Government bonds, mm-hmm. pretty much risk-free. And so when you have people and organizations piling into bond markets, that increased demand pushes prices up. And then as a consequence of that, necessarily, the yields get pushed down. So now we have this sort of downward pressure the inertia is downward on bond yields as it stands right now. Um, so I think that we're, we will see that increasingly reflected in, in mortgage rates, which is positive for anyone who's renewing and anyone who's trying to get into the market in the next few months. So Shelly, given all of this uncertainty, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the media. We will get talk about the market stats in a bit, but obviously there's not a ton of transactions right now. How are your clients feeling? What are they telling you about their decision to participate or not participate in the market right now? I would say it's very 50-50. There are some buyers and sellers that are sitting on the sidelines, just watching, reading the news. Um, And then uh, on the flip side, I have uh, clients who are super motivated. They want to buy now. They have have the ability to buy now. And um, they understand that their purchasing power maybe has gone down. But as a first-time home buyer trying to get into the market, they're still motivated and looking. Mm -hmm. And then um, invest Investors as well is another big one. Um, I'm finding investors are reading the news and they're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, the negatives, but they're also knowing that the positive will come. And so they're looking at pre-sales as an option mm-hmm. to purchase where mm-hmm. they can, you know, park their money, um, maybe buy something for their children um, close to SkyTrain, close to universities and uh, lock that in now, knowing that the market will come up and will bounce back. It's ebbing and flowing right now. This is a healthy time in our market. Um, and yeah, they're they're capitalizing on the pre-sale market. There's a lot less competition out there too for yes. buyers. And deposits are lower. You, you know, just two years ago or even a year mm-hmm. ago, deposits were 20, 25%. Um, and now they're down to 15. It's a lot of senti- incentives. Of- mm-hmm. Yes. And then you know that for, I mean, you have to have, you have to have the fortitude to, to make the leap into the market, but chances are even a year out from now, rates will be lower than they are now. So even if you're completing as soon as like in pre-sale within a year, let's say, or in a year, um, you're probably, your financing is going to look better than it does on paper today. And then definitely if you push it out sort of two, three, and four years, we're way more likely, there's no guarantees, to be back in a situation that more resembles that pre-pandemic market where, you know, maybe five-year mortgage rates are around three or high twos. So yes. it, if you if you do have the resources to make that deposit as an investor or an end user, man, it seems like there are opportunities out there. Yes, for sure. And and some of the incentives are quite uh, substantial. Um, there's a site in Burnaby, a Rennie project that we actually have right now. And just a couple of weeks ago, they announced a really good buyer incentive to get $100,000 off their two bedroom plus homes. So that got me excited to tell my clients about that one. Yeah, Shelly, are you able to give us some examples of what that incentive might look like for a purchaser who's 
say purchasing a million dollar condo? Yes. So what that means is say the home is $950,000. With that $100,000 off, um, it would, on the contract, it would be written as a decorating allowance. And um, that would be adjusted at completion. So in the grand scheme, your home would come out to $850,000, which is amazing. Um, And and for that particular development, you're looking at $1,000 a foot, which is uh, much lower than you know, some other developments I'm Mm -hmm. seeing out there. So very good value. And then I'm looking at some other sites that are, you know, waiving the storage locker fee um, of $5,000 or, you know, the $25,000 parking fee that someone would pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even also potential options that that are available within the unit too, that, that could be potentially a negotiating part too. Yes, exactly. Like a AC upgrade, mm-hmm. which is so ideal and so <laughs> necessary. Um, so that's a, a nice one to get. And just, you know, as a realtor negotiating these things and asking, knowing what to ask for and getting that for your client is so rewarding. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, not necessarily will you get it every time, but it's it's nice to know that perhaps it might be something that uh, could be negotiated at least or open for discussion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are all really great examples, Shelley. Thanks for sharing um, your experience. Um, so I just want to take a, a pivot back from pre-sale to resale. I want to turn our attention to the housing market and talk about what happened in February and and why. Um, yeah, sure. So we were saying that um, the big story was with inventory um, and how constrained it is. And when we look a little bit deeper, what that means. Um, but I think I'd rather sort of start with sales counts to sort of uh, set the table a little bit. So um, sales were relatively slow uh, in February. So there was less than 3000 again for the, I think eighth consecutive mm-hmm. month now we've been mm-hmm. sort of tallying that one. Um, that's, you know, almost 50% less than last year, about a third less than that typical February, that long run February average. Um, and prices actually went up last month and this one sort of caught our eyes. So benchmark prices month to month for the Vancouver region were up uh, about 0.6% for detached homes, up to 1.5% for condos. And that was sort of unexpected. And that's when we were trying to figure out, okay, why? Um, interest rates were up again, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of January um, and are incredibly elevated. Affordability is down. Sales are low. But prices went up. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, we look at that and we go like, holy smokes. Like, that's pretty like a pretty broad-based increase in values. But then, of course, one month does not does not make a trend, right? So yeah. what what is actually going on there, right? Yeah. So the story is an inventory like we, we alluded to. Um, but it, it's not even when you just look at that top-line inventory number. So total listings for the month were up marginally from January, um, 11,300 and change. Um, still relatively constrained a little bit higher than last year, but you know, below that long run February average. So it's that's not really telling us all that much on its own. But when we go and we look at new listings, so the flow of new listings onto the market, that's where we kind of see where things start to come a bit clearer. So there was just over 5,200 new listings, which is the lowest of any February since 1986. So uh, very few new listings coming to market, not a lot of fresh product. Um, so we thought we'd look, sort of take that cue and then look at okay, of the active listings at the end of the month, how long had they all been on the market for? And we found was that the most common listing was over 60 days old. So that had been on the market since last year, 2022. Um, So that was 36% of all listings 
at the end of February were more than 60 days old. So, mm-hmm. you know, all those buyers out there had already looked at those listings and sort of checked them out. Um, and a year ago, that number was about 22%. So a big increase in that sort of stale listing category. Um, and then we also kind of looked segmented at price point. Um, and if you look at sort of under one and a half million where most people participate in the real estate market, that more affordable price range. Um, so 79% of all sales last month were below one and a half million, which is fairly typical. Uh, that's where, again, most people operate. Um, but only 58% of listings are down there. Um, so if we, again, we look at that sort of market condition for, and if we segment it more under 750,000, that most affordable price point, um, 2.6 months of inventory, which is incredibly deep seller's market. Anything under five is considered a seller's market. Um, 750,000 to one and a half million, it's 3.6. So still pretty deep seller's market. And then Mm -hmm. above one and a half to three is balanced at 6.6. And anything over three, that sort of higher end luxury market, 17.3 months of inventory. So great buying opportunity if you uh, have the money. (laughs) Yeah, I guess the the relevance of this um, tight supply context really comes into focus when you consider that, and this is this this is new data today as well. This is the hot off the press episode, mm. apparently. Uh, <laughs> new Federal Reserve interest rate announcement, but also uh, this morning uh, we found out that Canada as a whole added more than a million people to its population in 2022, which millions a lot, obviously a million of anything, but for some context, it's the most people we've added in any year in our history. Um, It equated to 2.7% growth in our population, also the highest by a long shot since, I mean, at least the last 50 years when we've been regularly collecting data on population change. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that frames it up uh, the most compellingly, uh, if you will, is that the United States, which has 10 times the number of people that Canada does also added a million people last year. So um, really, really robust growth. And that translates to a need for housing, Mm -hmm. right? So we're adding a lot of people. Um, We don't have the supply. And um, I I guess it's worth noting that we had a record number of permanent resident admissions last year uh, in the range of 440,000, maybe a little short of that. The majority of them are actually already here on a on some sort of work or study permit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting in BC and Metro Vancouver, when you go from um, a temporary resident to a permanent resident, you're no longer subject to that foreign buyer tax in many markets in this province, including Metro Vancouver. Um, so that that potentially translates to a lot of new buyers. Are you Shelley? Are you working with some of them? Are you? Um, are you seeing that? Like, are you seeing a little bit of an increased demand from people that are now ready to like jump into the housing market? Yes, I I have worked with some um, buyers that just got their PR, um, probably three in the last few years, and they are the best people to work <laughs> with. Um, they they are motivated. They've been wanting to buy. It's so uncertain as to when they're going to get their PR. Um, But what I've done for them is um, set them up on a home search online um, so that they can see, you know, what's out there. Mm -hmm. Um, They're in contact with their mortgage lender. You know, interest rates, unfortunately, have gone up eight times. Um, And so they're in contact with them, you know, changing their threshold when needed. And, um, And once they get their PR, they are 
crying happy. They are uh, <laughs> ready to go and they know exactly what they want. So as soon as that home comes up in that area with their specification comes up, they're ready to pull the trigger. And um, they are so um, grateful and fortunate to have had that opportunity to finally purchase and buy in this mm -hmm. amazing city. Mm -hmm. That's a great point because it's it's only in the last few years that uh, the majority of PRs are from people who already live here on a on a temporary permit basis. So a lot of cases, PRs now are people who've lived in the city for you know two to five years and they know where what neighborhood they want to be in. They know you know exactly what they want. So to your point, they're ready to jump in as soon as they get it. Right. So Shelly, who else is participating in the market right now that you're seeing in your client base? Right now, I actually have a client who has a family of four. Um, they built a duplex actually 15 years ago, and um, that was going to be their forever home. Mm -hmm. But recently they called me and they said, you know, during COVID, the market was so hot. They were thinking, you know, they want to make the move. Um, they're getting bored of their home. Um, they want to make a change. They want to upsize into a single family detached home. And um, they're like, this is the perfect time, Shelly, to buy right now um, and sell. We know we're going to, you know, we could wait for the market to get hot again and get more for our home. But, um, you know, we can't be buying in a competing market and move our whole family. It's too stressful. Yeah. So they know they have the ability to slowly shop, get what they want, negotiate on price, you know, not compete, um, maybe have some conditions in their offer and um, and then also list their home. Maybe they might not get as much. Maybe they're going to get some, a buyer that's going to do the same to them and negotiate on price. But, you know, they've been in this home for a while. They've appreciated on the home. So it they see it as a win-win. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to help them find their find their home. So we talked a lot about buyers. Let's talk about your sellers. Sellers. I love sellers. Um, so right now, I mean, it, it's a little bit challenging because, you know, assessed values came out in January. And of course, they're based on the July data mm -hmm. last of year. last year. Yes. And so um, it's been a bit of a challenge because they're seeing those numbers. And then when I do a market value assessment, sometimes the market value is coming out lower. And that hasn't been the case in a long time. So, um, you know, it's confusing. And so being able to educate sellers just as we do our buyers is super crucial right now um, because they want to list their home on the higher side just to try it. And yes, that's totally fine to do in a hot market because, you know, likely someone will still make an offer, maybe negotiate less. But right now I find that's scaring buyers it's making mm -hmm. that home sit on the market much longer you're seeing homes even on the market right now um, in our system show up for like a hundred and 70 days or mm -hmm. something like yeah. that and that's not helping our market at all and so psychologically when sellers do that i think they're they're thinking that their home might get offers or they're thinking that they can get this price and then all of a sudden they have it sitting for that long and then they just take it off the market. So they're motivated, but then they get discouraged thinking like, okay, maybe the timing is not right. Um, I think as agents, we have to educate them on letting them know what the price could have been last year. However, this is what it is now. We need to price it sharp, um, not low, but sharp so that it gets traction and um, and then let them know two strategies, the sharp strategy and then maybe, um, maybe pushing it down a little bit 
bit more to get offers and to get that home sold because you know maybe they've had that home for a few years and it's appreciated they've done well um and to to argue over you know 10 to twenty thousand dollars where where they can actually move their money into a new investment and negotiate on that home um i think it's it's a win for sellers right now as well also i wanted to add um in the last eight years um you know properties that i've had that have you know you list in let's say august and um it's just not selling and it's a great property it's just not getting the offers we need or it's not moving it's not getting the traction you relist that property in december oh my god it sells every property that i've had a hard time selling um at any time in the market you list that relist that home in december it sells there's just no inventory nobody <laughs> wants to be listing with their mm-hmm. christmas tree up um mm-hmm. you know people coming in the home during the holidays and i've just had great success in december so note to sellers if, <laughs> if you want to sell your home <laughs> and get a good price and get it done quickly december yeah and it's interesting because in december a lot of people are not really shopping either for homes so those that are shopping are motivated yes So it's probably worth summarizing in a fairly succinct way what we've talked about today, at least in terms of the our assessment of the market. There's a lot of moving pieces right now, um, and it's as complex um, as it's been um, at any point in the past year, certainly. But I think what we're starting to see definitely, even though there's constrained supply right now in the housing market, we are starting to see sales activity increase. We're seeing uh, mortgage rates moderate a little bit. Um, we're seeing inflation certainly come down. So there's almost light at the end of the, the end of the tunnel in many respects. We're still dealing with a bit of chaos and it's a little uncomfortable. Um, but I think we're we're seeing green shoots. We're seeing a path to a more normal market. Of course, the banking situation will continue to evolve south of the border and maybe elsewhere. It's something that we'll watch. But I think we're starting to feel. I think there's a little bit more positivity uh, in the market today than there was even a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And my slogan is, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. Okay. And on today's podcast, we meandered through a few different topics and shared some thoughts on one, why it's definitely too early to panic about the existential challenges some banks have come up against in the past couple of weeks, though the fallout could impact our housing market. And two, we also parsed around housing inventory in this region, which shed some light on why slim pickings on the supply side for home buyers in our market is okay. So with that, I just wanted to pass it over to Shelly quickly to see if she has any final thoughts or insights that you want to share with potential home buyers or sellers in the market right now. Some final thoughts. Yes. Okay. So I would say don't ever be scared to pick up the phone and call your realtor. Um, They are working for you. Um, Sometimes I feel like my own clients are even like, oh, I don't want to bother Shelly, you know, to make this appointment for me or to start this home search that I'm not going to even buy a year from now. Always start the search early because you want to be able to know exactly what you are looking for, what area you're looking for and what type of home spec you're looking for. And even just seeing that come on your online feed, it takes us, you know, 10 minutes just to set up that search. Um, And then it's all automated from there where, you know, you tell us your specifics, we plug it into our system, and then you get those automated listings. And if you ever want to tweak it, we can tweak it. And um, 
the best part is, is you're fine tuning what you want, what your goals are um, in order to make that move once you're ready to pull the trigger. That's great. And did you have any advice for maybe potential sellers? Yes, always stage the home. And with my services and our team, we actually do complimentary staging, which we think is so beneficial. We always, I always, you know, do a lot of research on this. And I feel that um, uh, homes that are staged sell for 10% more. You're always going to be rest assured, you're going to get top dollar. um, And your home's going to look better on the market compared to everybody else. So yeah, make it look good, especially even if it's a hot market. Um, always make your home stand out from the competition. That's really great advice, Shelly. Thanks for sharing. So what's the best way for people to get a hold of you, Shelly? So I can be found on the Rennie website. I have my email, my phone number there, and then all my social media plugins for LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. You can even add me on social media to see all my posts, see what I do for my clients, see all my staged homes that I do complimentary. And um, and yeah, I think on this podcast as well, you can just scroll down and click uh, to find me on the Rennie website. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. So you can find Shelly at Rennie.com slash uh, Shelly Villani. And you can also, yeah, find her her bio and the link in the in the description of this podcast. So this wraps up this episode of the Rennie podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on Rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Shelly, thank you so much for your time today. I understand it's spring break, so I'll let you get back to it. And Ryan and Ryan, as always, great having you here and really appreciate all your time. So until next month, everyone. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, All resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com.